there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hi, this is Jason Smith. You're about to hear an episode of the Special Teams Podcast, which is a ton of fun for Mike Harmon and I to record and release every week. If you're new to the program, welcome. If you've been a fan, welcome back. If you like what you hear, please do us a favor. Give us a quick review and rate us on Apple or wherever you're listening to this. It helps us, it helps the show, and it helps us continue to bring you this content. And if you want, you can let us know in your review if you have an idea for a future episode as well. Thanks ahead of time for your support. And now, it's showtime. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. inside the newest episode of Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon, our podcast that looks back at specific years in sports history and what great teams did to become so noteworthy. You don't always have to be great. Sometimes you could be close to being great, and sometimes you could be not good at all. Very special weeks. We get to play with our format here a little bit. As last week, we look back at what three special teams did during the NFL draft, and we're going to do it again this week and look at what three teams did in specific years in the NFL draft and what made them so good afterwards. We're going to start in 1985. With the San Francisco 49ers coming off their second Super Bowl with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, and they traded up in the first round to take wide receiver Jerry Rice. This could go down as the worst trade in New England Patriots <laughs> history because you wouldn't think about it now, but this is the Patriots, 85. They had a great year at 85, right? Oh, sure. The, yeah, I mean, they had a good run until the end. Yeah, until Yes, and, until the Yeah, until end. the end. Then it kind of, oh, no, we could have used that wide receiver. So you kind of <laughs> you kind of forget it because they did get to the Super Bowl, but, man, if we had had Jerry Rice, who knows? You would never think of the Patriots making a bad draft day trade now, but they make a trade with the 49ers who move up in the the first round. Uh, they swap first round picks and 
Bill Walsh, head coach of the 49ers, gives later picks to the Patriots because they wanted to draft Jerry Rice. Why did Bill Walsh want Jerry Rice? This is not because they did extensive scouting. This is not because they sent a guy down and watched every single Mississippi Valley State game that Jerry Rice was in. It's because late one night he was dozing off watching TV when the sports anchor teased, hey, and coming up we have highlights of Jerry Rice at Mississippi Valley State because Rice was kind of a cult figure back then. Look at this, what this guy is doing at this really small college. And he saw the highlights of Jerry Rice. He decided, I got to go get this guy. All because he woke up for it while dozing off at midnight watching TV. What if he had stayed asleep? What if he just decided, ah, I don't need to see that guy got scouting. I get everything else. Because he woke up to watch Mississippi Valley State and Jerry Rice catching touchdowns, I believe, from Willie Totten, who was the quarterback. Nicely done. That could have changed NFL history if he had just stayed sleeping. Pretty crazy how things change. And as we talked about in the first episode, special teams, looking back at the draft, I mean, circumstance, changing of fortunes, changing of legacies, and how Players and coaches are viewed likewise here, all because you had a little bit of a an inflection in a local sports anchor's voice, enough to jolt you from a nice slumber, thinking about the greatness of Roger Craig and the other weapons at your disposal to go find Jerry Rice, the man widely referred to as the GOAT. What, but think about him with that Patriots uniform. That would have been pretty sweet back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that would have, It would have been the old one with Pat Patriot. Yeah, yeah. Really red. That would have been nice. Think about that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so they make this move. And there were a couple of things that led him to being able to get Jerry Rice because he didn't go. You know, it's not like Jerry Rice went number two or number three overall. I mean, there were many teams that passed him by, including the New York Jets, who yeah. picked at number 10. And I'm going to tell this story, even though it's very painful for me. Because you want me to, want me to just pretend like I'm no, playing a violin behind no, you? No, no, it's okay. So the Jets are picking at ten, right? And the Jets need a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and they were completely torn between Jerry Rice and Al Toon, right? That's who they wanted. Al Toon, who was a really good receiver from Wisconsin, and they were split down the middle. And Rich Kotite who winds up screwing the Jets before he screwed them by being their head coach, was their, their lead scouter. He was the guy that broke the the tie, and he said, I don't think Jerry Rice can get separation at the next level. So they said, let's go with Al Toon, and Al Toon was the guy. Now, Al Toon had a good career for the Jets. Solid. He was really good. Yeah, yeah. You know, got hurt later on, had concussions, but he was still pretty good. But he wasn't Jerry Rice. A couple but thousand was, yard seasons mixed in, nearly a thousand, nearly three straight years of a thousand yards. So. They had just lost Rich Kotite's phone number. Yeah. They could have had Jerry Rice, who instead hangs around till 16 overall. Yeah, but something tells me that Rich Kotite back in the day in the era before cell phones was standing next to that payphone or standing next to that phone in his office as long as he possibly could. He might have slept in the office, making sure he wasn't going to be omitted from any of these discussions. So the Jets don't get him at number 10. And this really, I mean, this is just one of those things that tells you, well, you know, hey, that's so totally Jets. But the reason... Rice was around for so long. You talk about him not being able to get separation is because his 40 time from the combine was disputed 
because it first got reported that he, he ran the 40 in 4.45 seconds, which, okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty it's good. not 4.28. It's not blazing. No, yeah, it's, it's not, not like what we see here in 2020. Yeah. That's still 4.4 speed. And when you're talking about 4.4, four, because that was always the big thing for the longest had time. to be under 4.5. Yeah. You had 4.4 four, four, four. speed. That was yep. great. But then it got reported it could be as slow as 4.71, which that's at the end. Guys don't get drafted that high when you run a 4.71. We got defensive linemen getting close to that in this day and age. So. And I don't understand how that's not more exact. It's no, the but, guys but look at look at the with, dopes now. The guys with Okay, that, and I'll say it. If you're listening out there and you attended the combine standing there with your stopwatch, you're a dope. You don't need to do it anymore. They've got but, lasers that do no, this. No, I know, but they didn't have the sharks with laser beams no. back then, but you still had guys with... Uh, I mean, how do so many people get get have such a wide range of what Jerry Rice's 40 time can Wide range of ages and aptitude. So just I, like guys running the forty, there's a wide range of how quick that trigger finger is. I had to sneeze. I'm sorry. So I started my, my when, stopwatch when a little did bit you, later. You know when is he really? And that goes back to the other evaluation, though. When you add the human element of deciding when is he officially running his forty. Right, you got the start to move forward. You wait for the first step before you start. What I mean, what are we looking at? So I mean, that could be the difference of point one, point two seconds right there. But yeah, Jerry Rice always the joke was well, slowest, greatest, you know, slow motion guy that was really moving a lot faster, kind of like you see in a bunch of your favorite Marvel movies. Well, he was also the he was also the guy, one of the original guys where. You could say about him, he had practice speed, he had game speed. Sure. You know, it was sometimes you see guys with games, and Jerry Rice had games. He had, did a little rope-a-doping during yeah. his career. You talk to Jerry Rice at any media event, he'll laugh and be like, you low guys to sleep, right? I mean, how many guys kind of come up limping? They're not really not thinking the next play, their cornerback's going to slump off a little bit. And what do you do? You, you cut inside him, and away you go. Part of me, I, I get it because this was Jerry Rice was a real cult figure back in '85. He was the guy that late at night on Saturday on your local sports reporter was in, hey, check out this crazy college football yeah. highlight. Jerry Rice and Willie Totten, right? Because Willie Totten threw like 60 yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, they were throwing that the ball year. all over the place. It was place, like, right? oh my God, look at this team. And it was one of those of all the team players across the country, Jerry Rice just so happened to get all this love because look at what he was doing. It was a small college. It wasn't nowadays where everybody would know Jerry Rice. Right, I mean, so I get that part of it, but still, when you're at the combo, when you're timing a guy, you would have that number. You know, what I mean, look, everybody knew enough about Jerry Rice. He actually went number one overall in the USFL draft in '85 by Birmingham, but of course, he chose the NFL over the USFL. But still, so enough people knew about him at the end. You'd think that would be a pretty important thing for Jerry Rice's forty time. Now, let's figure that out. What that is? Yeah, but again, it, go, it goes to even in 2020 with the lasers focused and everything and all the science behind it, we still have disputed 40 numbers for guys. Like, well, they clocked him here, and then it, it's it's a matter of .05 or .02 or whatever else. I mean, we're talking hundredths instead of here. We're talking full tenths. Oh. <laughs> tenths of a second that people are disputing. But seemed like it turned out pretty well for him. Yeah. So everybody else is ineptitude, oh, the stupidity. Jets would have ruined him. The Jets would have ruined him. He would have never had this career.
Never well, the other, the Bengals passed on him, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, the, the Bengals. Yeah, you had 15 picks go before Jerry Rice. They well, but just, uh, I mean, but just looking at the wide receiver position, right? Because that's that's where the Jets can at least say, all right, somebody else still had an opportunity. <laughs> and Eddie Brown from Miami goes to the Bengals at 13. So that is how Jerry Rice wound up a 49er and maybe the worst trade the Patriots have ever made. You know, the Bears picked uh, later in that round, drafted William the Refrigerator Perry, who starred in the Super Bowl that yes, year. Yes, he did. In case you remember. Yes, he did. You know, he, he, was, yes. he, he, had a, he had a he had a decently large NFL career. He had a good run. He did. He Well, he was famous. He was Refrigerator Perry. Legend. Uh, coming up next, it's not just one draft what this next team did, but what they did in the first round three drafts in a row that will likely never be matched. It's special teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon as we look back at special teams in the NFL draft. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Zoom here on special teams, taking a look back at special teams in the NFL draft, our second week, breaking down what teams did something so special in individual NFL drafts. Something a little bit different in this next segment we have for you is we're not just going to look back at what one team did in one draft, but we're going to look back at what one team did in the first round, three consecutive drafts in a row. Back in 1988, 1989, and 1990, when in the first round, the Dallas Cowboys made their dynasty of the 90s by taking Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, and Emmett Smith 
all in the first round of their drafts. I would say there's been no more greater success of a three-year run in the draft than what the Cowboys did here in getting the triplets. No, that's about as good as it gets, but you got to dial it back to 1987. I mean, 87 was a pretty, pretty big year when you look at it because in the first round, they took a defensive tackle out of Nebraska named Danny Noonan. Mm-hmm. And then in the second round, they took a quarterback out of Baylor named Ron Francis. Oh, Ron Francis. Well, he did turn out to have a great career with the Penguins. He had a and the hell Whalers. of an NHL career. I'll tell you, he was good. I mean, When the Whalers trade Ronnie Francis, that was a very sad Just thought day. we had to make a, make a point of, well, here's a couple of guys that... You know the names, but not for the reason of their success Traded. with the Dallas Cowboys. Traded. Ron Francis and Ulf Samuelson. And look, Danny Noonan never panned out. I mean, he couldn't even get into college. He didn't have any money for college. I t- well, you know what? There, there's a way. You got to start with the JUCO and then use the transfer rules to your advantage. He did win the caddy tournament. I mean, that looks- might have been able to get you a low-level uh, scholarship somewhere. It looks pretty you, you good on the young person's resume, winning the caddy scholarship. That's, That's right. right. Uh, but 1988, the Dallas Cowboys, who going into this draft, they knew they needed a receiver. Receiver. They take Michael Irvin out of Miami, 11th overall. I remember when he was taken. He came out, the media, they had cameras on him, and he goes, Dallas Cowboys, baby, Super Bowl bound. And he's shaking hands around and going, Boy, this team was terrible. Sudden to the Super Bowl, I liked Michael Irvin's bravado, and that turned out to be his entire NFL and post NFL career. That, was that's that way. pretty much what we know Michael Irvin for, right? <laughs> I mean, you go back in that draft, you had Sterling Sharp. People forget how good Sterling Sharp was. Right? Well, people forget this draft is that the Cowboys needed a receiver, and they would have been great no matter what because the first three receivers taken in this draft that were taken before Michael Irvin were Tim Brown, then Sterling Sharp, and then Michael Irvin. They they would have been fine with any of these Whichever three. of those three fell there, yes, uh, you would have had yourself one hell of a player. Uh, and for Michael Irvin, I mean, that's that's a guy, just a, a legend bringing that Miami swagger on a whole other level. Uh, he always complimented my suit and tie combinations at oh, Super nice. Bowl okay. Radio Good. Row and, Good. and parties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, you know, I, I was a little bold with some of the the things I would wear, not the purple shorts that I wear in the studio with you on a nightly no, basis. No, yeah, nightly, definitely nightly. I mean, we're talking pinstripe mm-hmm. suits and bold ties. Yes. Going next level. <laughs> it's crazy that he was even around at 11 because he had a phenomenal career at Miami, and especially because there were no quarterbacks taken that year until the third round. Yeah, it was it's not really the odd. year of the quarterback. I mean, we'd only seen this a couple of times in the last 30 plus years. In 1988, this draft, and in 1996, those were the only NFL drafts that didn't have a quarterback taken in the first round. The first quarterback drafted here, third round, Tom Tupa, who was <laughs> Taken mainly because he was a punter. Yeah, so we'll you don't him. remember him he as can a quarterback. Punt. Yeah, he can throw a little bit. Hey, we got a backup quarterback. We got our number one punter. Let's just do it. He's just one of those guys that always like, you know, he played quarterback in college. <laughs> he can throw the ball a little bit, so look out for the trick play. But yes, Chris Chandler. Is your was, first quarterback off the board. I mean, that you just don't. You'll never see that again. There's never going to be an NFL draft ever again where a quarterback isn't taken in the first round. Not to mention, never. you just go through and look at the players selected ahead of Irvin, many of whom went on to great success. Neil Smith, Benny Blades, Paul Gruber. We already talked about Brown and Sterling Sharp. Andre Bruce was the number one pick oh, overall. Andre Bruce, what a bust. Right, so you got him, but everything else kind of played out, right? The number one pick goes wrong, as mm-hmm. it does so often. 
Good luck with that, Cincinnati. Uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things that as you go through, you got a lot of, of stalwart players that were drafted in that first round. I remember Jerry Glanville saying about Andre Bruce, who was such a bust. He was, he was like at the end of his rope with him uh, at the Falcons. And he said, you know, everybody in the NFL has size, strength, and speed, which is what Andre Bruce had. And then he said, but everybody else needs to bring something to the party. And like that was what it was. Like Andre Bruce did. He, he was he was big and he was an athlete, but he didn't have anything else it took to be an NFL star. Do you know one of my first media jobs was working with Jerry Glanville? Really? Doing fantasy football analysis for something called the Football Network. Okay. Which Oh, launched. that was around for about eight minutes, That's the football right, network. Yeah. It was on spot we were on Spike TV. Yeah. And we were doing a fantasy show, and it was uh him. We had uh Danny Sheridan, the odds maker. Mm-hmm. Forgetting the host name, uh, but Glanville every Bob week, Hope. they would have me on, and we'd do sleepers, and we'd go through these things, and he was obsessed with my cheekbones, and he was uh. always trying to guess my ethnicity, really? what my deal was. He took some shots at my weight. It was very weird. That's very but odd. But we got along very well. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of odd. It was just really kind of odd. I uh, know. Hey, not, those cheekbones. It's not kind of odd. It's, it's really odd. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, we had a good time, so the Cowboys start the beginning of their dynasty by taking Michael Irvin 11th overall. What happens that year? Well, they're terrible. And they draft number one overall in 1989. They need a quarterback. What do they do? They take Troy Aikman out of UCLA, number one overall. Now, this is one of the legendary drafts in the NFL as four of the first five picks, including Deion Sanders, wound up in the Hall of Fame. Aikman to start things off for the Dallas Cowboys, was the only player at the draft this year. He's the guy that started the trend of going to the draft. Aikman was there, held the jersey. Suddenly it's, it's not a bad idea. And now everybody goes to the draft when you can. So we're all at the draft, and here's Troy Aikman, who started out as an option wishbone quarterback at Oklahoma, breaks his leg, loses his job because they got other better quarterbacks at Oklahoma, goes to UCLA, now I'm a pocket passer, and here he is, surefire number one overall pick in the but, draft. But the big thing for this draft for the Dallas Cowboys was you had such a huge changing of the guard, right? This is when Jerry Jones mm -hmm. takes over the Dallas franchise. He got rid of Tom Landry. And Jimmy, so Johnson Jimmy Johnson comes, comes in. in. Yes. Uh, Gil Brandt, your friend. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You've got yes. many not Gil really. Brandt. He yeah. does not like you. Yeah. Um, he was no longer in charge of personnel. Tech Schramm had moved on. Right? It was a whole new world order for these Dallas Cowboys. And this is where things got really interesting because with Jimmy Johnson coming in, head coach at Miami, in the supplemental draft in the spring of 89, which happens after the NFL draft, it's when you know, you're able to uh, pick a player who, for some reason, falls through the cracks, wants to leave school and, and get to the NFL early. Steve Walsh, who was his quarterback at Miami, wanted to leave for the National Football League. Steve Walsh is one of the most decorated quarterbacks in college football. And Jimmy Johnson took him at number two overall in the supplemental draft. So now you take Troy Aikman, number one overall in the draft in 1989. Then later on in the supplemental draft, you take Steve Walsh. Wait a minute. Why are we doing this? Why are we taking another quarterback when we just drafted our franchise quarterback at number one? Here's the rub of this. Not only did he just take another quarterback, his own guy. Right. So obviously, did he really want Troy Aikman? What he did was... When you take a pick in the supplemental draft, you forfeit the same pick in the NFL draft next year. 
And because Dallas turned out to be 1-15 in, in Aikman's rookie year, that turned out to be the number one overall pick in the draft. So the 1990, they would have had the number one pick, but they lost it because they took Steve Walsh in the supplemental draft. You tell me a head coach who survives that. We drafted a guy at number one overall who's going to be our quarterback. We go 1-15. I draft my quarterback from college to put him in who's really never going to make it. doesn't have the arm strength for the National Football League. We are terrible. Aikman gets hurt, and we finish at the bottom of the league, and we don't even have the number one pick the next year. Tell me a head coach that survives that. Nobody. Oh, today's day and Nobody. Age? No, but it also shows at that point – Jerry Jones first getting his hands around the organization. I don't know what this is all about. He was trusting Jimmy uh, Johnson. uh, We got uh, Troy, and um, I don't know the supplemental stuff, but uh, I go to GNC and try to have uh, get something over the counter. Of course, uh, that's the way to go. I mean that that was. I mean, just thinking about that back then, even I thought that was weird, and I was 18 years old. I'm going, that's weird. Why the hell would they do that? I mean, how much, you can how much tell. did they not like Troy Aikman Look, behind the scenes? Was Jimmy Johnson sending a message? I mean, there's a million things that go through that process. You can tell that Jimmy Johnson wanted Steve Walsh to be his quarterback, wanted him to win the job, but he couldn't even though Aikman got hurt and had a really bad rookie year. Like Aikman throws for nine touchdowns and 18 picks. He didn't look like a star. He was 0-11. You know, he got hurt in his first three years in the NFL. He was displaced at times as a starting quarterback. Luckily, he made it to 1992, which began the Cowboys' run of excellence. I mean, he wouldn't make it now after those injuries. Teams would cut bait and go, this guy can't stay healthy for three years. We got to move on from him. Troy Aikman's just an, an injury played quarterback. But this shows you, Steve Walsh, how ill-equipped he was for the NFL with all of Aikman's injuries and the fact that you have your head coach who basically handpicked you to say, come in and win this job, you still couldn't be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, they got a good uh, haul for him when they traded him First, second, and third round picks for Steve Walsh by the New Orleans Saints. I was, who couldn't I, get out of the runway. Oh my goodness. That was that trade went down. I'm like, again, I'm 18 years old going, that's a bad trade. I knew I had a future. You wanted in to be a GM. I had a right future then, in sports at that knew point. You were ready. That's what you're giving up for Steve Walsh. For yeah. Steve Walsh, who couldn't throw it more than 20 yards. Steve yeah. Walsh. No, he, he uh, struggling. You know, he had a lot he of. He was also with the Bears. He so had a lot of moxie in college, and he won, and it was, it was part moxie. of the moxie. This was the heyday of the of, of the Miami Hurricanes, the national championship teams mm-hmm. with all the stars on it, all the star power, Jimmy Johnson's teams. And, and, of course, he's the quarterback. He gets a lot of credit for it. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's not like anybody else would have really run for Steve Walsh at that point. And the fact that it would turn them off of and do a, that normally you shrug and go, yeah, they're done. A first, second, and third pick, you wind up. I mean, that, yeah. that's just you just stepped in it if you were the Dallas Cowboys. There, I mean, you're sitting there going, all right, in '88, he had three thousand yards and twenty nine touchdowns, twelve picks. He could be that guy for you. I would love to see the sales job that Jerry Jones did <laughs> to get that trade to go through. In all seriousness, I mean, because if you were to, were to tell me. That he would have just gotten a one and gotten a number one back for him. Mm-hmm. He would have shrugged and gone, okay, cool. Yeah. All right, they don't have the number one overall pick, but look yeah. what they were able to get. Yeah. And obviously we'll get to that in a moment. But if you're able to recoup just the first rounder, you win. But to add a, an additional second and third and then be able to spin those off for another more parts, I mean, just great work. You wonder what happened to that GM acumen oh, years later. That's, I mean, you think about the Cowboys were still able to build their dynasty after going through that. Steve and now, Walsh. 
to get to 1990, because now you have Aikman in place. Look, Aikman got hurt. He was not good for a few years, and it really took a while. You get to the 1990 draft, and some of the players that the Cowboys could have had at the number one overall pick are Cortez Kennedy, Hall of Famer, Junior Seau, Hall of Famer. Jeff George. You know, they could have, could have had Hall Jeff of Fame George. Arm. Sure. Could have had Richmond Webb. You know, was great for many years. There, there, there were some great draft picks there that were available at the top. Now, the way the draft went was Jeff George, number one overall to Indianapolis. Blair Thomas. Jets. Well, more on him in a second to the Jets, number two, running back out of Penn State. Then it went Kennedy, Keith McCants, Junior Seau. Those are your first five picks. They were you all there skip, for the Dallas and then Cowboys. And had number six with Mark Carrier. Yeah, then he, yeah. And, and he had a great year, he, too. He, he played well. Uh, they were all there for the Dallas Cowboys, right? But in showing you how... Things can go your way even when you screw it up. All right? Here's how things go your way even when you screw it up. So that's where the Cowboys would have been in the 1990 draft. They don't pick there. Their only pick is at number 17. So, okay, remember, could have picked number one overall. Didn't do it. This is when they drafted Emmett Smith. Why did Emmett Smith, who turned into probably on anybody's list the third best running back in the history of the National Football League, because everybody's got either Barry Sanders or Jim Brown ahead of him. Some what people have Walter Payton, yeah, too. You better, but you better recognize guys you, that can throw and you, would run you over. Yeah, but you're talking about, uh, you know, three-time Super Bowl champion, all-time NFL rushing leader. You're talking about the, the, that's Walter, the player he was. It was Walter Payton against the world, it, man. It was. It was Walter as Payton against the world. As much as I love Reavy Sorian, yes. the guys blocking for him. Okay, all right. So, at worst, he is the fourth <laughs> best running back all right, that we've then. seen. All right. Nobody thought he was a high pick because scouts thought he was too small and he was too slow for the NFL. He didn't have that. He had a great year at Florida, he had a great career at Florida, but he wasn't, wow, our mouths are watering over this guy. Dallas went into this draft saying we have to get a running back, right? They had the they had the, the wide receiver. They had the quarterback. They thought we're still trying to figure things out with Aikman and Steve Young at this point and Steve Walsh at this point, but now we need the running back. Blair Thomas was by far and away the best running back on the board. Out of Penn State, he's the guy everybody wanted. Blair Thomas was the guy. Because the Cowboys don't have that early pick, they don't take Blair Thomas when you know they would have taken him. And could he have turned out to have a different career if he wasn't playing on the Jets? You can say that for many players. But sure. Should we do a podcast that's all the guys? You could do that. What if if they'd gone anywhere but the Jets? And maybe, maybe with the Cowboys offensive line, Blair Thomas would have been great. But we just know what they did on on the field. And Blair Thomas was an incredible bust. The thing is, he was the right pick. Everybody had him as that good a player. I mean, everybody thought he was that good. So if the Cowboys are picking number one overall, they need a running back. They're taking Blair Thomas. So well, he eventually that, did that show winds up, up in a cowboy there. uniform. But years, years, years. <laughs> Long after the years, Jets had just started. Years. Him. I mean, look, his his breakthrough game was one of the worst Jets losses ever, Blair Thomas. In, a, in his second year, he ran for 125 yards against your Bears on Monday Night Football. And I vividly remember Dan Deardorff saying, two-minute warning, the Jetropolitans have the ball. Barring disaster, it'll be a happy plane ride back to Gotham for Bruce Coslett and the Jets. And what happens? Blair Thomas fumbles. The Bears tie it, and they win in the final play of overtime. Cap Bozo and Jim Harbaugh, and I still can't think about that game. It was in 1990. I, okay, I do. Buddy. I can't. Th- I can't think about that. I can't game. do it right now. No, just, it was uh, awful. Uh, I'll give you a fist bump. No, that game was just terrible. That was 
absolutely awful. He did average um, five yards a carry as a rookie. Though. Yes, that's so, great. I mean, that's he great. stunk. Uh, they would have taken him number two, and the Jets would have had somebody else. Maybe they would have had a Hall of Fame player. So the Cowboys, then, they don't pick until 17. So, again, here's how things work out for them. The guy the Cowboys wanted at that point was linebacker James Francis. He's the guy who went to Baylor. He was the guy on their board. However, Cincinnati took James Francis at 12. So now the Cowboys are stuck. What are we going to do when we get down? We're picking at 17. I have no idea what we want. He wasn't even their plan. Right? Emmett Smith wasn't even their plan. Still, the Cowboys, when they pick... They trade up to 17 with the Pittsburgh Steelers because at that point they figure, well, let's get the running back. Let's get Emmett Smith. So they trade with the Steelers and they draft Emmett Smith. The Steelers, who probably would not have drafted Emmett Smith because at that point they had Tim Worley and Barry Foster, I think, was a rookie on the team. Be a couple of years before Barry Foster was really good. So they're probably thinking, we're okay here with Worley and Barry Foster. Sure. We're not going to take Emmett Smith. Can you imagine the Pittsburgh Steelers well, yeah, with Emmett Worley Smith? Had just been drafted. Right. He was the year before. before right? He had, you know, and he was going to be decent out of Georgia. And can you imagine what the Steelers would have been like with Emmett Smith throughout the 90s instead of the Dallas Cowboys? So look at all these things that happened for the Cowboys. They lose their number one overall pick. That had they got it, they would have taken Blair Thomas. They Then they wanted James Francis, who gets taken, so they trade up with the Steelers, who don't want Emmitt Smith, and they wind up getting Emmitt Smith. That is what you call a horseshoe. Appropriate in Dallas, right? You are lucky, and it all worked out. Look, they made the trade up to go get the guy, Mm -hmm. so give him credit for recognizing, hey, we've got to go get him. You look at the next couple of picks. Tony Bennett out of Mississippi goes to the Packers. Then uh, Daryl Thompson, running back out of Minnesota, goes to the Packers, and then the Falcons take Steve Broussard out of Washington State before Pittsburgh selects at 21 with the Dallas trade pick. They take Eric Green, the tight end. So, out of Liberty? Liberty? Liberty. Yeah, Liberty. Of, nicely done. I like that. A lot of that stuff, I mean, you got two more running backs go right there. So, you know, could have been major fortunes changed, and I guess all that luck happened in those three years. That was, my first, that was my first deal with the guy downstairs, and uh, I lost my first soul, but luckily in my horcrux, I got no. Uh, that was, I mean, <laughs> now it's the question. I mean, all these years, I like that. If you were to have, a, oh, this is a sports talk radio uh, bit for the ages. Yeah. I mean, if you were to split Jerry's soul, <laughs> as Voldemort and a horcrux, is, what would oh they be, and where would you find them? Look, Jerry Jones, when when he came into the NFL, he was was a breath of fresh air because he came in, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to get rid of my old coach, I'm going to bring in the new coach, then I'm going to get rid of that coach, I'm going to bring in another coach. Yeah, but he fired Tom Landry's hat. He did, well, he did. Yes, he did. And But we had never seen anybody like him, no. owner-wise. Yep. And, you know, here he is years later, and he's still as influential an owner as ever, and he turned the Cowboys into champions. Now, it's been a long time since they got back there, but there's been no owner who has gained more headlines and had more influence than Jerry Jones. He came in and changed the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you build Jerry World and all the stadiums that come thereafter. You talk about the influence of how the league expands and where their business options lie. Look at how influential he was to making things happen in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and bringing the Rams and Chargers there. I mean, that was was a lot of his doing uh, as the most influential guy looking at that powerhouse stadium and the brand that is the Dallas Cowboys. And really for us, 
I mean, one of the more entertaining figures in all of sports. And that run, Michael Irvin, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Not unmatched in NFL history. I just, that Blair Thomas yeah. thing. I just, uh, you know. It's think funny. if they had drafted uh, Jeff George number one, if they'd had the number one pick. Uh, no, I mean, look. Forget about it. We're done with the look, Walsh kid, too. Let, let, let me just end right here. I'm looking at all the stats on the pro football reference of the first round picks that they had for their NFL careers. Like, here's the first uh-huh. round pick, and here's the stats here's of their career, had, yes. right? So you look and see Jeff George, all right, you know, uh, you know, in his career, 27,000 yards passing, 154 touchdowns. Yeah, you know, that's what you get from a, mm-hmm. an okay quarterback. You know, Blair Blair Thomas, I look at him, 2,200 yards for his career and seven touchdowns. Everybody else has zeros next to their name. And then you get all the way down. Emmett Smith, 4,400 carries, 1,800, <laughs> yards, 164 <laughs> touchdowns, 3,224 yards receiving. I mean, it's it's like you look and go, here's all these guys, and then here's Emmett. They yeah. mock you by not putting up the defensive <laughs> stats. And then boom! Uh, uh, so there it is. There is part two. The triplets being drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Who is left in our final installment of Special Teams NFL Draft? You will find out next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. This next team, Special Teams, the podcast with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. Hi. Didn't so much do something special as they had to avoid fans not liking what they did in order to do special things. 
Is that a good way to describe it? I think that about sums it up nicely. In 1999, the Cleveland Browns drafted number one overall, and they took Tim Couch, who, coming out of Kentucky with his arm, hey, everybody thought Tim Couch was the best quarterback prospect in college football. Wide open offense and the welcome back to the Browns. Mm-hmm. As an entity in the National Football League, this was going to be the face of the new, newly constituted, resurrected Cleveland Browns franchise. After that happened, this is where things went haywire. <laughs> the Eagles picked second. They needed a quarterback. However, they made a big run publicly for their fans wanting Ricky Williams, which I never understood because they had Deuce Staley, who was really good. Right? I always loved Deuce Staley. Deuce Staley was coming off a season in which he had 1,500 total yards, over 1,000 yards rushing. He was 23 years old. All right, Deuce Staley was phenomenal, but I don't know why there was this big push that the Eagles and their fans wanted Ricky Williams, but they wanted Ricky Williams. And Andy Reid... Then head coach of the Eagles decided, yeah, it's nice you want Ricky, but we're going to go at number two and draft. Where's he from? Where's he from? Where's he from? Syracuse. Syracuse. Donovan McNabb. Last time you've been able to say anything so proudly of a... Uh, no, we, we won the Camping World Bowl two years okay, ago. Okay, good. Yeah. The Camping World. Come on, man. Camping World I Bowl. I forgot about the Camping, camping World, World Bowl, buddy. I'm sorry. Couple of appearances in the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh-huh. Yeah, we did. Yeah, the Pinstripe Bowl was our home for a couple of years. Yeah, it was. But McNabb goes number two overall, and immediately Eagles fans boo the pick. At the draft, look, Eagles fans, Jets fans, no matter what happens at the NFL draft, those fans are not happy. And they booed McNabb, and it became a touchstone moment in the NFL draft. You'll still see it later. And I hated Philadelphia at that point because McNabb was my guy. He was Syracuse. He was fantastic. He got us to the Orange Bowl senior year. I mean, we got waxed by Florida. But, I mean, mean, Syracuse in the Orange Bowl. It made sense, Orangeman in the Orange Bowl. But, I mean, we got us to the Orange Bowl. I mean, we were in the bleeping Orange. Bowl, man. We had never played on in a, in a game that high. And he had done that for us. Then I started thinking, okay, maybe we underachieved because he goes number two overall. Maybe we should have done other things the other years. But still, he got we got to the Orange Bowl, and he winds up going number two overall. He's my guy, and the Eagles fans can't stand him. They wanted Ricky Williams, man. That was you the guy. Staley. But that was the guy everybody knew, right? Charlie Garner was leaving. He was gone and moved on to to San Francisco. You have Deuce Staley. Yeah, that's fine. You wanted the new shiny toy. You wanted the guy with the dreads. You wanted the guy with all the records, all the hype, all the curiosity. He he was the story of that draft, right, as evidenced by the trade that ended up defining the draft. But when you look at what Philadelphia wanted— Donovan McNabb was not top on the list. I don't know that they should have been as exciting. I mean, I love my guy, Rodney Pete, but between he, Coy Detmer, and Bobby <laughs> Hoyne, you didn't exactly have a murderer's row of yeah. quarterbacks. I mean, look, Andy Reid knew what they needed. Andy Reid knew what they needed. It's like, yeah, we don't need another good running back. We need a quarterback. Because McNabb was also my guy. The, I ended up going to St. Ignatius in Chicago, right? In downtown Chicago, one of the historic buildings in a great school. My second choice, if I decided, to continue beating myself up and trying to figure out how to play football mm-hmm. uh, with my diminutive, diminutive um, fire plug type body. You're Mount, very fire plug-esque. Yeah, yes. Mount Carmel was going to be the choice. I would have mm. been there 
just ahead of Donovan McNabb. But the idea being, no, it's it, for me, it was done. But Mount Carmel was a school always kept an eye on and what they were doing. And McNabb was a guy that was a Chicago legend for what he did at that school. And then he goes to Syracuse. You keep an eye on him and you're watching him play. And now you've got him on this big stage. It's like, all right, here we go. And the, when the Eagles selected him and that an initial, you can go check all the old Chicago Returns of what happened when Donovan McNabb got boosted. Like, wait a minute, what what is what's going on here? So yeah, it's it's become one of the more famous spots of the last twenty plus years. I mean, look what he did in his decade as the Eagles starting quarterback. He got them to the playoffs eight times, right? Mm-hmm. Won the NFC East five times. Got to five NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl. He threw for more than 30,000 yards, 200 touchdowns, 3,000 yards rushing, 20 rushing touchdowns. The guy could do it all. But this is the most interesting part about McNabb. Despite all of that, he never really got past being booed as a draft pick, not from him, but from the way he was treated by Eagles fans. Even though they retired his number, you know, they still cheered when he did great sure. things. He still had that contentious relationship. Because look, not all the time would he say the right things, but that happens times with a quarterback. But usually when you're playing well and you're achieving, they let it go because you're still doing well on the field. But it's like he never really got that love that he should have gotten from the Eagles fans. And it goes all the way back to the draft because a large portion of the fan base, they were so wrapped up in wanting Ricky Williams that when he came, it's like, I'm never going to forgive him. He's never going to be my guy because I wanted somebody else. Even though Ricky Williams didn't nearly have the NFL career that McNabb had, you, sometimes you just don't get past that. And I don't know that that relationship with him and the fans ever got past that moment. No, I mean, it, you certainly have seen it in other comments, even in his post-playing career, where there still seems to be that distance that never really healed. Go back to draft night. I mean, it's the biggest night of your life. Right, this is what's changing you. It's setting up your family when you're drafted number two overall. Back then, the kind of money that you were getting as a number two overall pick, I mean, you're talking generational wealth. So in theory, it's the greatest moment of your life. You're, rep- you're recognized as one of the best in the game. There should be a city waiting to throw rose petals at your feet. Mm-hmm. And instead, you're getting booed not only at the draft, but at local establishments the poison pens are out of what are we doing you had it set up you can go pick this running back this once in a lifetime workhorse guy and and again at the time the nfl other than a dan marino and brett Favre and a few other guys you weren't you weren't throwing the ball around the yard necessarily the same way right so uh, having the running back i get it to a point but this was your new face of the franchise and not embracing it and trusting that the brass there knew what they were doing just made no sense. And obviously went on to a fantastic career. Fantastic run. And and the other part is you can look back and and if you're Andy Reid, I I would say to the Eagles fans, I go, look at that year. There were five quarterbacks taken in the first 12 picks. Okay, Mm -hmm. five in the first 12 picks. Here's who they were. Tim Couch, we mentioned him, right? He was out of the NFL Never did Pretty anything fast, really. Yeah. He was out in a couple of years. Then you had McNabb. You had Dante Culpepper, who had a good career, but not the career that McNabb had. Flashed a bit. Unfortunately, couldn't get right. 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 Physically, always carried more on his frame and never was able to recover from the injury. Uh, and he's the reason Nick Saban never went back to <laughs> the NFL. Achilles Smith, who we talked about last week yes. in the podcast, who is 
best year. He threw three touchdowns, I think. He had a good run. Year. Uh, except not at all. And then Cade McNown, who was out of the league by 2002. Yeah, it wasn't so good for anybody. Look at all of those five picks. And look, we got the best one, and it was a quarterback, and still, it wasn't really enough. Crazy, right? I like that you went we, even though we were talking about the Eagles. Syracuse. And, uh, yeah, you got it's always the Syracuse. Because you kind of blended them. You started with Syracuse, with the Eagles, and I could tell that you, as your voice kind of shifted, my guy. You never <laughs> accepted my guy. You know, I inter- he was great. I interviewed him once when I was at NFL Network. He sat down with us to do a fantasy hit, and we started talking. I said, I'm Syracuse, to, you know, 92, and he was, yeah. he was oh, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, uh, you know I'm going to try to get you uh, back to Syracuse as a head coach. He goes, oh, no, no, I couldn't be a head coach. Maybe strength and conditioning coach. I go, strength and conditioning, can I get you back there, strength? Let's go. He goes, ah, Sign you on right now. I'm like, all right, I'll get you there. You just got to get back there. But it just didn't happen. The other thing with McNabb is, I mean, he took a lot of big hits. Other than a couple of seasons, you know, 2005, 2006, we always go back to the Super Bowl. And you'll have the asterisk on that. But for the most part, he, he showed up on Sundays, right? He might have been mm-hmm. banged up. Oh, yeah. Myriad injuries. Questionable but he still all went out there. Oh, yeah. Right? We always had, like, Ben Roethlisberger. The, you're going to have the asterisk on him. And then it's, all right, he's going to go. He's going to give it a go. But some tremendous runs, some tremendous seasons along the way. But... Yeah, that the booing on draft night every April, it becomes yeah. hey, remember? Let's take a look back, and that's part of the reason he finds himself in the list of special teams because that is a, a draft that you mentioned the five guys, only one really gave you a career worth writing more than two or three paragraphs about. A six-time Pro Bowler who was also the Big East Offensive Player of the Decade of the 1990s. Oh, you got to get that in. You got to get that in. Sure. (laughs) No question. Yeah. So that's our look back, our two-week look at what some special teams did in the NFL draft. I'm Jason Smith. He's Mike Harmon. Our show airs on Fox Sports Radio Monday through Friday, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific, 10 to 2 on the East Coast. If you have an idea for a future episode of Special Teams, hit us up on Twitter, at HowAboutAFresca or Mike at Swollen Dome. And we've had a couple of suggestions actually turn into Special Teams podcasts. So send it up. We'll get back at you. We'll talk to you next week. Before you go, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is. Give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. 
From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.